This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The presenting sponsor of this week's edition of Top Rope Nation is Bet Online. March has arrived and we're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get on the action and with multiple entries available. It's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account. Make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Blue wire. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Back on the air, episode 130, Top Rope Nation. This is Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com. Here with Justin Joint, Kyle Ross. Kyle, how's your week going? going okay i suppose been a heck of a day but i'm ready to talk pro wrestling and that has a smile on my face i mean our, our text messages this week have been kind of up and down so i wasn't really sure how you yeah wait, wait a minute yeah wait a minute what am i talking about my week sucks balls what are you <laughs> <laughs> thank you for reminding me you know <laughs> pour another drink settle yes. this is gonna be quite the show uh what's in the glass tonight kyle Johnny Walker. So if you liked last week's show, boy, am I going to be in rare form at the 30-minute mark. There we go. Justin, how's it going with you? Uh, not too bad. Um, my neck is still kind of hurting a little bit from the uh, the Top Rope Nation tattoo I got on it earlier this week. <laughs> I don't know if that's a great decision for your, uh, your prospects in Hollywood, Justin. I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> got to wear it on my sleeve. On my neck. <laughs> Good oh, thing yeah. we're not video casting this week, otherwise everyone just complain. You know, I want to get into this show, but I just keep looking at Justin's neck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I got some things to say about that. Now, obviously, Revolution, kind of old news now, but I was at the show. We're going to hit on that uh, a little bit in our in the news section. Uh, I had quite the weekend. 
but yeah, this week, I gotta say, it, it's it's been it seems like it's been like one of the longest weeks in recent memory for me. I don't know if it's because I was out of town all weekend, and then you know you get back in town and you go right back to work on Monday morning or what. But uh, this week has just been dragging and dragging and dragging. So I'm I'm happy I'm here to talk a little professional wrestling with Kyle and Justin tonight because we got a lot to discuss. There's a WWE pay-per-view <laughs> on the horizon that I know you guys are just absolutely thrilled about, right? Yeah, and by the way, Ryan, <laughs> we'll all meet in the center, right, buddy? Oh, yes. <laughs> we may have to. We may have to. We'll, we'll all meet each other again on the long journey to the middle. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about raising from the dead. We could talk about the Undertaker. We could talk about some other people. I mean, who knows? Who knows what we have on the horizon here for Top Rope Nation? <laughs> Both those people like Saudi money too. Oh man, oh man, quite the night on Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. So, guys, uh, if you're just joining us, maybe you checked us out last week. This is our second show as part of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Shout out to our friends over at Blue Wire. It's been a great first week for us. Uh, I see your just looking from it our... right. What was that? <laughs> That's called me irresponsibly shutting down my Google Maps while I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> that was awesome. Like I like who's the like fourth told... member of the show? <laughs> like I told you beforehand, Ryan, either I'm going to be at my best or at my absolute worst tonight. Ryan, oh. you got to leave that in. Gotta yeah, I am definitely in. leaving that in. That was too good to cut. Um, that that will not be on the cutting room floor. It's going to be in the final show. Uh, where was I? Yeah, Blue Wire. So check them out, bluewirepods.com. And uh, for all the longtime listeners of Top Rope Nation, guys, I really would love to pop some large download numbers for this new network. I want them to be impressed with Top Rope Nation. So the way you guys can help, recommend the show to a friend. I mean, every single listener that's out there that's been with us for a while, if you've only been with us for a week or two, Tell one of your wrestling buddies to check out Top Rope Nation. If every single one of you did that, we'd double our downloads in one week. I know. Let's just keep it going. That's the way to do this. That's the I think the best way to reach new listeners is through word of mouth because people are going to trust you that you know of a good podcast. Hey, check it out. They probably will. It's a lot easier than trying you know, to pop up higher on the uh, search algorithms and all of that, but... We want to do that, too, so if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, of course hit subscribe, leave us a review, leave the five-star rating. Uh, the large majority of our downloads do come through Apple Podcasts, so every five-star rating on there, every review counts a lot for us. Greatly appreciate it. We're also available on Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. You can check us out at topropenation.com. The website looks a little bit different now since we've joined Blue Wire, so check that out. The full archive is there as well. And if you really want to support the show and go a little bit further, the best way is through patreon.com slash topropenation. You can fund us on there. Be a dedicated supporter of the show. You get your shout-out on the air. You get another means of contacting the show, influencing the show's direction, getting exclusive bonus content like Top Rope Nation Classics. Our next episode of Top Rope Nation Classics, coming within the next couple of weeks, will feature a watch-along to a classic, Derek's going to love this, Memphis Wrestling Match. One of our Patreon supporters, Derek, suggested that. He's a longtime supporter of the show. Derek's been on the broadcast many times. We're going to do that for him. Uh, so if you wanted to hear us talk about classic pro wrestling, there's no better way to do that than to join the Patreon page and suggest a show for us to do a bonus Patreon-only show for. So we're looking forward to that. You also get a free gift in the mail. 
And you can also check out some of our editions of Top Rope Nation Extra over on Patreon, including, and I thought of this last night, Justin, as Jake the Snake Roberts returned on AEW Dynamite. Justin and I, about a year ago, saw Jake Roberts do his one-man show. It was quite the experience, <laughs> to not say the least. Not safe for kids. Don't no, take the kids. Definitely not safe for kids. Um, there is a bonus show we did for Patreon, Top Rope Nation Extra, where we reviewed the Jake Roberts one one night only show it's a hilarious listen you can only find that on patreon so just another incentive to join there so with that said guys i think it is time to go to our weekly in the news segment all the latest wrestling news get behind the scenes inside a rental at 1-900-909-9900 Dogs cost the buck 49 per minute. Kids, get your parents' permission, but call right now. Okay, so in the news, I guess the big one for me here is I was in Chicago for AEW Revolution on Saturday night. Easily the best pro wrestling event I have ever been to. I think I can say that pretty confidently. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I've gone to two WrestleManias. But uh, AEW Revolution, to me, was the best show I have ever been at. Uh, engaged in the show a little bit differently than usual. I uh, went as media, so I was sitting in the media section, and I got to meet a few people that I am fans of their work. You know, I've been reading them for years. There was people like Mike Johnson there from PW Insider, uh, Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful, I met my friend Zach Haydorn of PW Torch, who, by the way, was going to join us this week, had a scheduling conflict. Uh, He will be joining us in the next couple of weeks, however. So I don't want to just rant about this. What do you guys want to know? Kyle, Justin, what do you want to know about the weekend? Because I haven't talked too much about it with you guys. How does Tony Khan stay in such good shape? (laughs) Tony Khan is, uh, I got to say, I went to the media scrum after the show. You can see... Some of the videos that I posted on my Twitter page at Ryan Droste, that's D-R-O-S-T-E, super personable guy. Uh, He comes out at that media scrum last, and uh, he's going to talk for about 30 minutes, they told us. So, like I said, he was last. They sent out three groups of performers before that. Um, We had Dustin Rhodes with QT Marshall and Brandy Rhodes come out first. And uh, then we had John Moxley, which we were kind of surprised about. Walks in, still gushing blood everywhere. He's he's dabbing the blood with a towel as he's talking to us uh, with the AEW World Title on hand there. And then um, I thought Nyla Rose came out next. People didn't have as many questions for her, and she really healed it up on the media. It was actually pretty funny. And then Tony Khan came out, and he's like, I'm going to talk for 30 minutes. Uh, they cut him off at the end, but he said, no, I'm going to stay until everyone gets their questions in. So he, he was ready to talk and talk as long as people wanted. He's a really engaging guy. Um, he re- Like when you ask him a question, he really kind of like locks onto you. Like he <laughs> eye contact, never breaks eye contact the whole time. He's super professional. Like I said, very personal. Uh, I got to ask him a question and uh, really appreciated. AEW really goes out of the way for the media you know, to be able to come to the show, to do that media scrum. It's, it's a huge 180 from WWE. WWE is very kind of closed off with the media, so it's it's very refreshing to do that. But, uh, yeah, Tony, super energetic, I have to say. If you what was the, videos, the best question he was asked, you or otherwise? So... Prior to that, uh, someone asked Nyla Rose, who was it? 
um, I can't remember who it was. Someone asked Nyla Rose if they had any women producers helping put matches together. And, um, or they, they alluded to the fact that they don't have any women producers and she right away. said, well, how do you know that we don't? And, uh, he said, well, do you? And then she wouldn't really answer the question. And so they went back and forth, back and forth. And so then the same guy asked Tony Khan about it (laughs) and everyone kind of giggled a little bit. And, uh, you know, how come you don't have any women producers? And he, he talked about how, um, you know, awesome Kong, she was the main producer, uh, but she's off okay. filming Glow right now, uh, and so like yeah, Kenny's been working with the women a lot, but she she was the main women producer, so I guess they don't really have one right now. But I thought that was a good question because we were all kind of wondering that, and you know, Nyla really pushed back on that question, but they mm-hmm. have to get into like the owner <laughs> the, of the company. The Bruce Pritchard response from Nyla Rose. <laughs> so that I. I thought that that was pretty interesting. I, there was a lot of good questions. People asked him about, actually right before I was going to ask him about a, a potential AEW video game. Someone else asked it, talked about how they're, uh, you know, they're still in discussions with that. They want to get it done. I'm sure they will. Eventually, I asked about um, if they were going to continue running the Trust Arena or move back out to the Sears Center. He said, you know, they want to keep running both of them, that he sees uh, negatives and positives for both, uh, or no, I should say positives for both. And, uh, you know, you can run downtown at the Wintrust Center. It's like a brand new facility. It's been only been open for a couple of years. Uh, but he said he had friends that live kind of in both areas of town, and he sees positives to both sides. So they're, I guess they're going to go back out to the Sears Center, too, which if you've never been to Chicago, Sears Center is actually like about an hour drive from downtown. It's pretty far out there. Uh, but Wintrust is right downtown. And so that was fun. I've never been in that arena before. Super nice place. And, uh, man, the crowd was amazing. I don't know how it came across on TV. I haven't watched it back. But crowd was really engaged, really yeah. loud the whole time. How, how did that come across on TV? Did it seem like a better-than-average crowd? Yes. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was, it was loud in there, just the way the arena's built, kind of reverberating through the arena. And, uh I mean, everyone, um, the referee, uh, Aubrey, she got huge cheers from the crowd. Like, she was super over. Uh, Orange Cassidy, one of the most over acts on the show, for sure. He got a massive response. Yes. Um, Moxley's entrance, Jericho's entrance, the crowd was crazy for both of those. I saw a lot of criticism of Cody's entrance with the band, uh, but I'll tell you live, the fans were definitely into it. I don't think it really translated to TV as well. Uh, and then, of course, everyone was distracted by the tattoo, as you alluded to a little bit ago. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> did okay, that's a great thing. Did you notice in the crowd? Oh yeah, where, from your okay. Everyone around me in the media section was talking about it, and we all assumed right away that it was fake, that it was like temporary. We thought there's no way he got a real tattoo like that, and turns out, about halfway through, someone pulled it up on their phone that yes, it was uh, a real tattoo. I know that that was, you know, I was checking Twitter, too. That was the big discussion online. And then it looked like AEW just wanted to respond directly. Like, they put out a tweet during the match confirming it was legit with the pictures of him getting it. So, Hey, Kyle, just so you know, uh, the International Space Station saw that tattoo. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. I just want to know. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I guess eventually. I guess a better question I could have asked is how soon did you notice the tattoo, Ryan? I think God, probably right about when he got in the ring. I think it was pretty visible on the video screens. You know, they've got like three pretty big video boards yeah. on the entranceway. And then, of course, the overhang that, uh, you know, at the top of the arena, the video board there, too. But people mm. were 
It was definitely, it wasn't just online. People in the arena were talking about it a lot too. So it did kind of distract from the match a little bit, I thought. Um, yeah. Just because everyone was talking about it. Uh, and then like my editors were telling me like they wanted that question asked at the press conference of, about Cody's tattoo. And that was another good question. Someone asked Tony Khan about that before I could ask it. And um, Tony did say that he thought it would work good for pro wrestling, but he wasn't sure about uh, the movies, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think everyone he, – he was probably even a little surprised he got it. But, yeah, it was quite the weekend. Spent the weekend in Chicago, got my deep dish pizza, went to a couple of good breweries, went with two of my friends, uh, checked out the uh, C2E2 event, which is like a Comic-Con type thing. We, that was unplanned. We went on Saturday afternoon. Uh, my other buddy, my buddy Tim, he's a patron of the show, he he wanted to go, so we went. It was like 65 bucks to get in, which is a little pricey for me, but we were killing time before uh, Revolution. So we went, and CM Punk was there, walked past his booth. Um, Raven was there, almost bumped into him. <laughs> uh, saw Tommy Dreamer there, Road Warrior Animal was there. Uh, some awesome, like, merch and collectibles there was a like the original comic that uh spider-man appeared in i don't know a ton about comic history but it's worth like almost twenty thousand dollars they had like original nes games sealed um like the original zelda worth almost thirty thousand dollars sealed i'm thinking like how many of us had these games i mean you know you immediately open them that's why they're worth so much money but this one booth had all these NES games sealed, and the prices on them were just insane. <laughs> so it that was an eye-opening experience. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, Revolution clearly the highlight of the weekend for me. So, so couple things. Um, you mentioned I was bumping into Raven. I will never forget being at a sports bar here in Cleveland. I believe it was the Elimination Chamber show where Miz worked Jerry Lawler. So that would have been 2011 where he was there signing autographs and like the owner who must have ponied up some cash to bring him in was like practically begging people to like go to his table and like <laughs> pay for the autograph because like no one was going like I felt like Raven had his crew and I mean like no one was going up to this table during the whole show. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't but, much of a line over there. I mean, it was like this one mm-hmm. booth that they had a lot of wrestling collectibles. This is the place where they had the uh the Ribera Steakhouse jacket that I tweeted out a picture of, two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Which honestly, two hundred bucks for that is a pretty fair price. I can't believe you walked away from that. I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> I honestly did think about it when he said two hundred. Those things are so rare. I thought it was gonna be like four or five hundred bucks, and he's like two hundred bucks. I'm like, you know, I probably would never wear it. <laughs> it's like a collector's <laughs> item. It'd be sweet to own, but I mean, it's still two hundred bucks. So I didn't do it, but part of me wanted to. Yeah. Um, Just to bring the focus back to the athletes here for a moment, I am. I did not watch the show live, so I liked Cody and MJF better than it seemed people did watching it live because they were so distracted by the tattoo. And that seems to be kind of the um, prevailing wisdom of people who have already watched it over again Mm -hmm. that they liked the match better on repeat viewing. That's interesting. Yeah. I, yes. I'm going to watch it again, but I, yeah, okay. I yeah. Yet. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch till like two or three days after the fact I was out of town, but uh, so I knew about the tattoo and it was kind of like at first it was like, Jesus, Cody, what were you thinking? But um, since I, it did not catch me by surprise, I was kind of able to 
you know, engage in the match more. And I thought it, it told a pretty good story. Mm-hmm. Was now a tease for later. We're going to talk about this. What was the wisdom in the media section over the tag match? Were people, I mean, obviously everyone loved it and as they should have, but you know, were people immediately screaming match of the year, you know, greatest tag match ever kind of what was the uh, sentiment among media row there as that match was going on. So it's interesting watching in that section because nobody like really goes out of their way to cheer loud. You know, you're trying to remain kind of professional and not just be a mark. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's a little different in that regard. Nobody was really, I didn't hear anyone say match of the year, but there certainly a lot of us were looking at each other almost jaw dropped afterwards i think like i I was sitting next to zach haydorn from the torch and we were talking about like how amazing that match was i i think i did say like that's the best tag match i've ever seen in person for sure you know right away to him and maybe ever so i think we had that conversation Uh, i definitely i wanted to watch it back on tv to make like that grand of a statement so when when i saw Mm -hmm. that people like Meltzer were anointing it the you know one of the best maybe the best tag match ever in North America I think he said I wasn't that surprised because we we definitely weren't like jumping out of our seats but you could tell like everyone did think it was pretty amazing I was I was surprised that nobody from that match came in the media session afterwards I thought for sure somebody that was the match of the show no question I thought one of those guys would come in or you know I guess the Bucks would have came in in tandem. But uh, no, none, none of them were part of the media session. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about the show for a little bit, shall we? The actual show. Mm-hmm. Um, this show, you said it was the best show you'd ever attended live. Um, I think it absolutely blew away NXT Takeover, the last show we reviewed on this podcast. I would agree. In the sense, you know, we talked about how. Pro wrestling cards, it's just not about adding up snowflakes. And I thought that the majority of the pro wrestling media was overrating the individual matches on NXT TakeOver anyway. But in the case of Revolution, you had what absolutely is the best match of the year so far in pro wrestling, the tag match. Uh, You had a tremendous undercard match. And guys, Sammy Guevara and Darby Allin show that you can have a great match. In a short period of time, mm-hmm. were they paying attention at a certain for-profit university in Florida? <laughs> I don't know. I hope they were. Um, and then you know, Orange Cassidy. You talked about how over he was. Uh, you know, again, I, I think that match completely over-delivered. And what I want to talk about, certainly, I'll we'll open the floor up to any comments, Justin or Ryan, you want to make on the show, is we got a world title change. And this is really important. I haven't seen anyone talk about this yet. And I apologize if they have, but I missed it. Where the baby face actually outsmarted the heels. Imagine that in 2020. Yeah. We always you talk know, about I, WWE screwing their baby face booking no, over. No, yeah. 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 I mean, that used to happen all the time. You know, for every one time the baby face got screwed, he would get over on the heels six times. People, believe it or not, enjoy when their baby faces. And by people, I mean wrestling fans, enjoy when their baby faces outsmart the heels. You know, that used to be always the way wrestling was. Then a certain wrestling promotion anointed their top heel, the cerebral assassin, and made all the baby faces look like idiots. 
to the detriment of the promotion. I don't want to mention any names, but you know, some people think that guy's the savior of the promotion. Give me a break. <laughs> but I thought that was a great way to end that match. Mm-hmm. To, to have because to be honest with you, when I had watched the go home show, I'm like, you know, this whole thing with Moxley and the eye. You know, you kind of have to suspend belief a little bit how well he's doing. Mm-hmm. So it worked, and they told a good story. And, I, and it, you know, I had texted you guys after we did the show last week. I was like, you know, I've kind of really ta- talked myself in to the fact that Moxley's going to win because if you go back and listen to our show from last week, uh, you know, I was like, well, if Moxley doesn't win, what do you do with him? Right. So it made a lot of sense that he did win. Um, and it's really interesting that it feels like, based on the TV from last night, they're pivoting away from another Cody MJF match. And, you know, if you listen to that MJF promo, it certainly sounds like he's going after Moxley. And that's going to be a big match, whether, you know, it's a double or nothing or, you know, just on TV. We don't know yet, but it seems like that's a direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I so, I agree. I agree with everything you said. I mean, I I picked Jericho to win. I do think the argument for Jericho to win was particularly strong. I I kind of went all in with that argument on the previous show, but I can't I can't pick apart Moxley winning because the crowd loved it. It was a huge moment live, and uh, yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. You you could honestly go with either guys. I think we all said that last week. I just made the case that Jericho was still still felt like he was on the ascension like every week he was getting a little better his entrance was freaking awesome at the show by the way with the chorus brought out and everything mm-hmm. um so i i still probably would have jericho win but i can't i don't have too, too many bones about moxley walking out with the title yeah and i think uh, especially with what they did uh wednesday it feels fresh, you know, Kyle pointed out that, it, you know, they're kind of diverting away from code MJF, which, you know, that just means that they can go back to it later on. They don't kind of use up all their cachet with it right now. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I'm just relieved that I was the only person on the pod who said uh, Moxley was a lock to win at Revolution. <laughs> no, I, I did not say that. You I didn't? Said, yeah, I was say, was no, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. You're so you're messing I, I with think, my memory, Justin Joint. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I thought all three of us did. That's why I was like, you know, afterwards, like, man, you know, I just I couldn't come up with the conceivable scenario, like what you do with Moxley, and you know, that's not in itself a reason to put Moxley over, but. You know, watching the TV last night, I think it was the right decision. It makes things a little fresh. I think you can go back to Jericho, certainly, if you want. You know, so much of booking, and we're going to talk about this in the WWE section when we have a discussion about The Fiend, but so much of booking is, you know, time and circumstance and, and knowing when to hit the right notes. And I think... If you kept Jericho, and, and we're saying this obviously with the benefit of hindsight, if you kept Jericho as the champ and, and just having the inner circle kind of running rough shot over the program, you run the risk of that getting redundant. Yeah. Whereas now, okay, you know, you've kind of flipped the script a little bit. Jericho's still going to be in the main program. Obviously, I mean, obviously, they're not divorcing Jericho and Moxley based on the TV. So, you know, that's an interesting thing where you have 
you know, MJF saying, I'm going after him. Jericho's still going after him. So you've gone a lot of different directions here. Very interesting. We'll juxtapose that when we talk about the build to WrestleMania here in a few moments. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where there's like no interesting directions. (laughs) But um, I just think it was the absolute right call. And it was just, to me, so refreshing to see a baby face outsmart the heels. Mm Mm-hmm. So I felt you got your money's worth. Um, I went for the record star ratings. I don't fall in love with the star rating until I've watched the match twice. I've only matched, watched the tag match once. I gave it four and three quarter stars. We're gonna I know have a big tag match discussion here in a later uh, later on in the program. Um, I gave Guevara Allen four and a quarter, and you know I thought the Orange Cassidy deal was great too. Mm-hmm. So you know you throw in everything other top to bottom. This was a very very strong show um, as AEW, you know, kind of after, you know, there were some concerns as 2019 ended. We talked about this last week, but they have hit, um, you know, consistently hit home runs in 2020. Yeah. I mean, Dynamite was the only show this week wrestling wise that I was seriously like in my mind looking forward to watching, <laughs> you know, coming out of Revolution. I can't say the same for Elimination Chamber. I can't say the same for Raw or SmackDown, but I was I was legitimately like counting down to Wednesday night to watch Dynamite. And uh, yeah, I I agree. I think the only match that didn't really deliver was the Nyla Rose-Statlander match. They were also in like a that terrible was, spot, but yeah, coming I mean, after the it, tag. It, but it was a little I'm sloppy. So, yeah, well, I'm so glad you brought that up because there was also some discussion. Cause the Jake Hager-Dustin Rhodes match wasn't very good either. And then, you know, once uh, Sammy and Darby delivered the way they did, you know, there was the inevitable talk, oh, well, that should open the pay-per-view. I'm going to push back on that notion because if they open the pay-per-view, then you're putting Jake and Dustin presumably second, and that's kind of a dead spot then. Yeah. So, you know, it, it okay, you don't want to open the pay-per-view with a bad match. I don't. I didn't think it was, like, an atrocious match. It wasn't good, but it wasn't atrocious. I just think that, like, you know, Putting those guys out there first in front of a, a crowd that was pretty generous is fine. Oh, you know, yeah. Dustin got a big pop from the crowd. And yeah. honestly, live, that match went over a lot better than what I read afterwards in reviewing okay. uh, reviews of it. Well, so. well, well, there you go. So I, 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 that was something I would push back on a little bit, the notion that, oh, Sammy Darby definitely should have let off. Eh, I don't think so. Yeah. Because you, then you're creating basically two death spots on your card, which you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just cannot say enough about the crowd response on this show. And there was a dark match that, that uh, Britt Baker was in. Holy hell, she gets a ton of heel heat. You know, Britt Baker, phenomenal heel turn. Uh, and uh, some of this is a sh- Chicago crowd, too. Chicago's notorious for great wrestling crowds, but they were so hot throughout. Yeah, that Darby-Sammy match, everyone was going crazy. That flip spot through the table on the outside that Sammy did just was insane you follow that up with the tag match a little bit down with nyla and and statlander that was definitely the match where everyone like ran to the bathroom by the way the bathroom lines were insane at this venue which is a little surprising since uh it's so new but that's where you saw like the male female split in the crowd come in you know way more males and females there so like this is one of the only events I've ever been to where there was like no line for the women's restroom, but the the men's line like went down the concourse. <laughs> Can I ask a question? I guess shame on me, I don't know this. What is the Wind Trust Arena used for? Uh, DePaul. 
plays there, okay. and then uh, there the WNBA go. team, the Sky, play there. But it's DePaul's okay. home venue mostly. Okay, that, that that's what I was wondering and kind of assumed. But okay, and right across the street from the convention center where C two E two was, so that's all kind of in that general area, really, really nice area of town. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I hope that uh, they go back to that venue. Although Sears Center is closer to where I live, driving in from Iowa, but uh, I will definitely be back to Chicago to to go to another AEW event. I hope because Chicago crowds are awesome. You know, you got pro wrestling tees right there as well. Stop there on the way in. Lots of great breweries. Fun weekend. Um, I would rank my top three matches being there live. Obviously, the tag first. Followed by the Darby Allen Sammy Guevara match, and uh, third probably the Orange Cassidy pack match. I mean, there was just unbelievable amount of Orange Cassidy shirts throughout the venue. He is very, very, very popular, and so that one was a lot of fun to see him like you know incrementally do a little bit more throughout the match. <laughs> you know, he's known for like the lazy character kind of thing how he started, but yeah, he was he was hitting on all cylinders by the end. It was a fun, fun match. Yeah. In ring storytelling. Who knew? Who knew that that would work? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, that was that was my live experience at uh, AEW Revolution. Uh, anything else we got for in the news this week? I, think I don't think so. I know that Justin Join is ready to fire on uh, <laughs> Soldberg. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go to our topic of the week. So the topic of the week is the WrestleMania direction. And uh, Bill Goldberg's big title win last week, which <laughs> I think Justin and I are going to be pretty close on uh, on what we thought of this. So, Justin, this is this is your chance to give us your piece. What do you make of uh, Bill Goldberg's big title victory over Bray Wyatt? One of my biggest takeaways is that it, it was just a, it was a, it was actually a reminder as to you know how. The, the vocal people on Twitter and other social media is certainly the minority. We are the minority of fans because people freaking love Bill Goldberg. Um, apparently, for whatever this means, on Instagram, the picture of him holding the title from that show had like their most likes ever of any post from WWE. Um, he pops a rating. Um, so, I mean, you certainly, I mean, all evidence points to there are a lot of Bergie bros out there. <laughs> so the, this all began. The, the problem as to why this had to happen was October 6th of 2019 when the WWE decided to level Bray Wyatt up to just a ridiculous level Bray Wyatt has somehow like persevered through I'm not going to say burials but like just a complete loss of momentum you can point to Wrestlemania 30 against Cena you know losing there 31 against Taker uh, Survivor Series 2015 against Taker and Wrestlemania 33 against Randy Orton where he seems to have a little bit of momentum, but then he loses out to an older generation. Um, so he came back this, you know, this past year and the look and the entrance was phenomenal. And then they just kind of piss it all away by doing the red light and, you know, 
making him kick out of everybody's finishers like 50 times. Like, you know, he just plowed through Seth Rollins and, and Daniel Bryan and Finn and Miz. And I, I still dug a lot of it, but he had to lose. And obviously the rumors that it was going to be him and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And as much as I freaking can't stand Bill Goldberg and I, I hate that they have to keep putting the title on him for these big matches when they don't need to. You can just have the Bill Goldberg match, uh, i.e. WrestleMania 33 with Kevin Owens and Jericho. The the kicker is that it was originally supposed to be, you know, supposedly Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And frankly, I think they had to pivot away from that. You know, as much as I hate to see Bill Goldberg in that uh, championship match, I think that would have just got the crowd to shit on Roman Reigns all over again. You know, he's he's kind of built up the fan base to actually get behind him. And I think that would have really ruined it. Um, and now they're in a position with, you know, I think the diehard fans at WrestleMania, I would assume are going to be more in favor of Roman Reigns than Bill Goldberg. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's just a lot of I don't understand the Bill Goldberg thing. I think it sucks that the Fiend had to lose to a suplex uh, after kicking out of, you know, a hundred uh, curb stomps. Um, so I don't know. I think I, I need you guys to be my therapist on this. Like, how am I supposed to feel? I, Can I, I go next, Brian? Do you want to go next? Justin, yes, yeah. because Justin completely threw me for a loop. Okay. And I was going <laughs> to let you guys basically, I, I came into this telecast thinking you two are going to agree. And I was going to counteract what was, and it sounded like you did too. Like, are you surprised by what Justin just said, Ryan? A little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so am I. Because, all right, so first off, just building off what Justin said, was October 6, 2019, Hell in a Cell? Yeah, I was yes. going to make a note. That is okay. one of my favorite shows okay. we ever did. <laughs> okay, because you, because you make a great point, and I'm going to expound on that. All right. So there's By the way, that, that show I'm talking about, it's in the Patreon archives. Kyle and I reviewed Hell in the Cell and went off for like a half hour on that match. So okay. check it out, patreon.com, top row. Seth Rollins, Fiend, Hell in a Cell yeah, match. And yep. We're about to double back to that moment, folks. Okay, so there's a lot of dirty diapers online about this result, okay? About Bill Goldberg beating The Fiend. And, you know, it seems appropriate uh, that I would bring this up this week. Um, you know, for matters that are actually unrelated to wrestling. But when I get mad about an outcome of something, pro wrestling or otherwise, it's because, obviously, I wanted... I, I feel that the outcome that was denied was something I really wanted. Okay? And Justin hit on something, and, you know, a lot of people know this, that the rumor was that had the Fiend, you know, made it to WrestleMania as a champ, it was going to be him and Roman Reigns. It seems pretty logical. Roman Reigns is the challenger for Goldberg at WrestleMania. And I think, you know, that was one rumor that pretty much you could take to the bank, that, you know, whomever it was going to be, the Fiend or Goldberg coming out of this match, they were defending against Roman at WrestleMania. Well, <laughs> I don't really feel any loss that we're not getting the Fiend Versus Roman Reigns. Like what have we truly lost. By missing out on that match. 
Nothing. Like that wasn't going to be a good match. <laughs> there, there was nothing. there was certainly nothing teased. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Perhaps I missed a segment on SmackDown unless there once. It was not something that had been overtly built on that brand. It was just something that we all assumed because it had been reported. Mm-hmm. More more of a it, fresh match for the Fiend, I guess, than yeah, a I mean, match they, that they, he's they, done at Mania before. Two people apart, but. You know, I don't think people were, you know, doing cartwheels over the idea of Bray Wyatt wrestling Roman Reigns, right? So, for that reason alone, I can't be that upset about what happened in Saudi Arabia. Now, there's a very clear argument to be made that reliance on stars from the past uh, is not the smartest thing long term. Um, but there's been so many instances of that, of that happened that you know to me this was just a drop in the bucket this wasn't the hill to die on um i i do not think this this was more offensive than what they did to kofi on the first smackdown with brock lesnar just because you know you build up heels to eventually have them lose to a baby face and maybe you don't like bill goldberg but justin laid out a pretty compelling case why Bill Goldberg works in this situation. Um, Ironically, he works uh, for the same reasons that the fiend initially got over. And that is he's not on TV all the time. And the three of us, when we were talking about the fiend before hell in a cell, okay, we all said, what's going to happen when this guy's on TV all the time, is he going to be able to maintain this aura? And the answer was clearly no, he wasn't, you know, Justin, I think all he was missing kind of when he was talking about, you know, he had the new look, he had the great entrance and it's the old phrase. And then the bell rang and it was still kind of the same old Bray Wyatt. And the reality of the fiend is he was dead. On October 6, 2019. Any chance they had to make this a really big deal, they killed with the booking of that Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went on to win the title, but I it was so bad what they did that night. And people can listen to us rant and rave about it um, if, if they become patrons. It killed it. Booking is time and circumstance. And that match needed to be booked a certain way. It needed to be, I don't give a damn if people like expect 20 minutes in their main events. That's not what that should have been. It should have been a seven-minute squash. Oh, what do you do with Seth Rollins? I don't know. The same fucking thing you did with him anyway. You turn him heel because the crowd wasn't <laughs> buying into him anymore. So you, you could have actually had two over characters coming out of that deal. But you didn't. And The Fiend was just kind of dead man walking. And I think, yeah, you can pick and moan you don't maybe you know uh, they're bringing bill goldberg back and he's old and yeah there is something to say about a guy whose peak was in 1998 uh being a world champion in the year 2020 but the reality is wwe looked at this and they're like who's gonna get up for the fiend and roman reigns yeah if you're a fiend fan bless your soul still at this point this actually may be for the better because, okay, he goes into WrestleMania and loses. Well, what do you do not then? 
In the old days, yeah, you built the heel as a big deal if he was the champion going to the big show. But then he would go on a slow decline down the card and eventually leave the promotion. Hmm. In this case, the Fiend might be, Bray Wyatt might be with this company, who knows, for five, seven, ten more years. So it's like, well, if he loses at WrestleMania, what do you do with them? In this case, I think they looked at all the pieces and they said, all right, is it great for him in the moment to lose to Goldberg? Yeah, no, not really, but maybe we haven't beat John Cena at WrestleMania. You talked about that. I, I thought that was an atro- a really bad decision at WrestleMania 30. Justin hit on it to have him lose. It really hurt his momentum a lot. Um, So maybe he, he beats John Cena at WrestleMania, and who knows if he gets, you know, uh, some life injected back to him. You can always have him beat Goldberg in another Saudi Arabia show. That's true. Um, my my biggest issue with this is just the title picture. I, I have no problem with them doing Reigns-Goldberg at Mania. Or Cena-Wyatt, I think. they Doing that at Mania is fine because they can fix what they did at 30. My biggest problem is that you know they don't need the title in the Roman-Goldberg match. I, I, I feel like... You keep the title on Wyatt. You do the match with Cena still. And if there's anybody that can rehab this Bray Wyatt character, it's freaking the biggest WWE star of the last 15 to 20 years, John Cena. And you make that the title match. You build the entire match around the fact that it's Cena coming back for one more title reign. You know, you do all the promo videos, all the training montages and all of that. They make it into a huge that, deal. I, I got to assume John Cena. And he's Cena. going for a record. Yep. And he's going for a record. You, can really a record. Piss, you it, could piss Meltzer off doing that in the process. That'd exactly. be it's, it's for the record. Like, it would be a huge deal. And then if Wyatt goes over in that match, you know, maybe the crowd shits on it. I don't know for sure. But I do think it's a good opportunity to rehab Bray Wyatt. And that match... Even though it's still going to get a lot of attention because it's John Cena coming back, I feel like with the title, like this is the way to rehab the way they did Bray Wyatt dirty for the last several months. And you still do Roman Goldberg, and it it's just like a match against a legend. It doesn't have to be for the title. I just I very firmly feel that that match does not need the universal title, and that that's my biggest issue with it is that they did the title change. Okay, well, it is quite sad. That we have the that the two guys who hold the brands the, the world titles of the respective brands Raw and SmackDown are the same guys who held the uh, respective world titles of their brands in 2003. <laughs> That's not awesome. That would be like if Bruno San Martino was the world champion going into WrestleMania two. <laughs> Dude, they really do want to relive the ruthless aggression period. They got the documentary yeah. going right now, like. <laughs> Freaking recreated, I guess. That's that's the yeah, goal. The, uh, even even later than WrestleMania two, I think. Fuck, it would have been like if he was like WrestleMania six or something. I think, but <laughs> anyway, I just okay. I see what you're saying in that regard, but look, they want and if you're coming at this from the perspective of a, a fiend fan, first of all, I'm, I don't know if I see what you're seeing, but the guy and the concept you should actually be mad at is Roman Reigns again them trying to do this anoint business at WrestleMania. And well, I'm that, not that has to do with it being a title record. match. If it's not a title match, it doesn't seem like it's them anointing Roman Reigns. Well, the, the, the thing is, okay, and we've talked about this and we have 
They got to just shit or get off the pot with this Roman Reigns thing. Stop trying, like, you know, booking his time and circumstance. And they want to make, like, these Roman Reigns title wins so special. And it's just like, it never works. In WrestleMania, I saw someone joke because Austin's going to be on Raw, what, this week? Mm-hmm. Or I should say next week. Is that correct? Or, yeah. No, it's on uh, uh, two weeks from yeah, now. It's on because yeah. three sixteen day, three sixteen day. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone was joking, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny if they could relive this?" And it showed the picture of Austin refing the uh, Lesnar Goldberg match at WrestleMania twenty. And it's like, are we going to get the same deal with Roman and Goldberg at WrestleMania with Austin as the ref? Um, but you, they try to make these Roman title wins so special, and it's like. We all know they want to build a company around them, but they really never do. Yeah. You know, we've, I mean, of all the people who, who have just booked in a circular way, it's Roman Reigns. You know, they think that they outsmart themselves all the time. And um, the bottom line is they just think there's a little more intrigue, I guess, uh, with Goldberg as the champion going into what, most people figure is an inevitable Roman Reigns win. Mm-hmm. They yeah. kind of book themselves into a corner. This is what you do when there's no long-term booking. Because you, you had the Fiend, and he kind of sputtered out, and you're getting to WrestleMania, you're like, oh, shit, our title match kind of sucks now. And you didn't do any build to it anyway, so you're just kind of like, well, fuck it, let's just switch. Well, you know the other problem, though, with this, and that being a title match, is this makes this one of the most obvious results ever. And Honestly, WrestleMania title matches are usually pretty predictable. You look at Austin and the times he won the title in Mania, super predictable. But there's no way Goldberg wins this match, right? So I think that if, if I you, don't know, I think that I, <laughs> we I don't said know, that man. going into WrestleMania with Lesnar and Reigns and well, I know, but Lesnar was at least a guy that was signed yeah. to like be around versus right. Goldberg. So like, if you do Reigns. Goldberg and it's some like special attraction, you know, like star versus legend or like hall of fame match or like the battle of the spears. Like that's the theme of the match. Like there's a chance Goldberg wins with this, a title match. It's super obvious. Reigns is going to win. Yeah, I think Reigns would, I think the betting money would be on Reigns. I want to ask would, Justin, but I, but I mean, I could see it would at least, it would clearly still be on Reigns, but there would still be at least like a little bit of a chance that Goldberg wins. And I feel like, as a title match, there's zero chance Goldberg wins. I want to ask Justin a question. I think I actually already know the answer because he surprised me a little bit with his um, his take. This Goldberg title win, in terms of story, is less offensive to you, I assume, than the one going into WrestleMania 33 where you already had the built-in storyline of Jericho and Owens, correct? Uh, correct. Okay. Although okay. the flip side is that the uh, in-ring uh, product was a billion times worse than that. And, and I can't believe for a second that anybody, any, uh, anybody who produced that match thought for a second that he could actually get Bray Wyatt up for a jackhammer. <laughs> yeah. By the way, everything we said about that match before it happened with Owens and Goldberg and everything, check it in the archives from three years ago. Everything aged quite well, at least what we were saying, because my God, that was a terrible decision. Still, I think looking back, 
don't know. Because uh, in the end, yes, in the so. end, in the end, it's actually, I get you did have a built-in storyline with Owens and Jericho, right, being a big deal. But here's the thing: once again, the title was ending up on Brock Lesnar anyway. Chris Jericho could have danced around with it for a month, but he was getting, you know, I, I think he said on his podcast the original plan was, well, he wins it at Mania and then jobs it to Lesnar the month after whatever the, the, the pay-per-view after that was the plan. So, um, you know, going back to, it, it's interesting because I would much rather Roman Reigns be the champion, um, in 2020 than I would Brock Lesnar, you know, certainly in 2020 and certainly even in 2017 or whatever oh, yeah, that was for sure. So like when you look at the mania card right now, you got that Brock McIntyre match, which I will say I am excited about that match. You got the ones we've been talking about, um, We've got Edge and Randy Orton probably happening. AJ and The Undertaker probably happening. Uh, probably Baszler and Lynch, uh, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Like, how do you guys feel excitement level for Mania right now? Like, how does this compare to, I guess, the most recent years going into Mania, but also even like looking back at your childhood? Do you feel like excitement for mania this year is high do you think this is the least exciting mania in a long long time do you think i am actually gonna say yep this is right up there with my childhood i'm looking forward to wrestlemania (laughs) well honestly the build of some of those manias was kind of underwhelming you know like mania 11 for example Oh, oh, well, I, okay, I thought you meant, like, even when I was, like, going back younger, okay. Yeah. No, I mean, like, where where do you feel the build is for this Mania? Because I feel like this is the most underwhelming WrestleMania going in that I can remember in at least 25 years. I just, I am, I am looking forward to, to Lesnar and McIntyre and the women's matches. But outside of those, like, I can't say well, a there's a lot of... You have a link. I mean, okay, uh, the Edge Orton thing and I and I know Justin feels that Goldberg speaks to a larger part timer issue. Edge and Orton again, it's another thing where it's like, oh okay, well Edge presumably gets his revenge and then what? You know, it just kind of that that storyline just goes away and hopefully it's really good and you remember it, but it, it's not gonna have any long lasting impact um, you know, uh, on the weekly product. But th- that's been a good program. Like yeah. that's actually been the best yeah. built thing in my opinion. Edge and Orton. Yeah, I, I agree so, that the television storyline for that has been pretty good. But overall, WWE's road to WrestleMania television has been completely uh, underwhelming this year. Yes, I would agree with that. So, um, that, that, I mean, that's why I'm saying like, going into this mania, it just feels like the excitement uh, level is the lowest for a WrestleMania that I can remember in quite some time. Yeah, two, two things that I'll, I'll let Justin get it. I'll make this short and sweet, I promise. Uh Internally, there are people who felt the same way months ago. I don't know what they feel now, but I can tell you months ago, there was there were people who's like, I don't know about this WrestleMania card. Yeah. And for me, I can say, because I actually thought about this. I'm glad you asked it, because I was going to ask it if you didn't. I think the last WrestleMania that I felt this underwhelmed about was 29. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, you still there was still some intrigue, but you had the Rock Cena stuff. You had yeah, but that was you. You you talk about inevitable. Like everybody knew that that was set up just for Cena to get his win back. Like it was nothing like the year before. 
and yeah, that's true. You, and you know, punk. Um, again, <laughs> I was not holding my breath that he was going to beat Undertaker. Um, I thought the Triple H Lesnar feud absolutely sucked the big one. Apparently, you forgot about the incredible Fandango upset win. <laughs> yeah, there's that. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> wasn't that when Fandango was actually like kind of popular with a theme song and everything? That that was yeah, that was the night, big night. That was when that you know that night after WrestleMania crowd, all oh, those wild and crazy guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was definitely underwhelming too. I I just remember like with the Heyman and and the the Punk Undertaker stuff. It, it was some memorable television segments at least, but yeah, and the Rock was always just such a special attraction coming back for his. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you're brief right. Runs, but yeah, I mean, overall, overall though, this is pretty weak. I mean, I think AEW is just freaking smacking WWE around right now. Like for me, as far as what's interesting to watch. And it's WrestleMania season. Like, this is when I would expect WWE to be having their A game. And I can't say I'm looking forward to any of their shows right now. I mean, there's a pay-per-view this weekend that we're going to do our picks on here. We're not going to do the full preview like we usually do because none of us are even that interested in the show. And it's we're just a few weeks before WrestleMania. so. Well, you, you know what the answer is? Too much content. No, there's just no long-term booking. Oh, that too. Like, you, you know, if you go back and look through the years, like WrestleMania, for me, it, it's less so now because, like, they make, you know, WrestleMania season kind of almost this animal into itself, mm-hmm. you know, where they just bring back part-timers and, and, you know, load the card up. But I've always felt, you know, certainly if you go back to the older WrestleManias, WrestleMania has always been a, a reflection of the product over the previous 12 months. And I'm sorry, since WrestleMania of last year, the WWE has just sucked. It's just, it's been a, like, as much as people criticize the WWE right, wrong, or otherwise, fairly unfair, right, wrong, or otherwise, it's not been a strong last 12 months of the World Wrestling Federation, or I guess 11 at this point. I mean, since last WrestleMania, I mean, it's been bad, man. I mean, it's just been out and out bad. Mm-hmm. And when you get when you when you're changing booking all the time, and you don't have those things, you, you know, you don't have a really big match in mind. You know that huge draw. This is what you get. You know, and, and you know as much you know the whole deal with Charlotte, you know, winning the Rumble and challenging the NXT title. I guess that's a cute idea, but you know. Oh, hey, we had the biggest women's match in history last year. Well, now we're going to have three women's titles matches. That's just not how you attack the problems at ALWWE, in my opinion. Mm. And Becky Shayna feels like a consolation prize for not getting Becky Ronda. It just does. Um, And it, it all comes back to me. Pro wrestling cards should have a ma- one main event. And... I get that they've got, you know, this is the new normal for WWE where there isn't just one main event. And they're thinking as well that will guarantee a certain floor for the show. You know, the the show won't, you know, be like – if if we give people like five or six big attractions, it guarantees something, you know, hopefully multiple things hit. 
you know, maybe that's true here this year, but it, the intrigue is just not there for me overall. I, I think Edge Norton's been well done, but I think it speaks volumes when in 2020 we're talking about Edge and Randy Orton, um, you know, telling the best story in the company. Yeah. All right. Well, Justin, <laughs> we, we sorry we stole all the thunder there, but what's your I was, excitement? I, I, was, I, I, was, I was waiting. Jump in and say something, Justin. <laughs> Save us, I Justin. I think you summed it. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well there at the end. Uh, just it, it, not only is it obvious that there's no long-term direction with a lot of this stuff. I mean, it just feels that way. You just feel it when you watch the shows. Um, and to just to backtrack a little bit, I think the other reason why I'm kind of at peace with this whole Goldberg-Reigns match at WrestleMania, um, outside of it being for the title, I, I'm with Ryan on that one, um, is uh, – that garbage match isn't going to go for more than five minutes. And that's nice. I, you know, I think that remember Goldberg and Lesnar over delivered in a major way at 33. I think they can do that again. You know, Bill, I love, but God bless Bill Goldberg. So I love what he's like. But did you see that thing? Where he's like, let's see you, know, you critics get in there and win a match. And someone's like, Bill, you know, this is fake, right? <laughs> Yeah, this uh, bill has not been good recently. So, yeah, it's a uh, the one other years. thing, the one other thing I, I would throw out there is I I am not interested in Undertaker versus AJ Styles, um, and I kind of hope they make that a handicap match with uh, throw in Alistair Black as Taker's teammate, so he can kind of help carry that match for him. Mm-hmm. Then they can just go against the entire OC. Yeah, that that's interesting. You say that. See, I, I did not like Taker coming out and beating AJ. And I thought that was an atrocious way to start the feud. Um, what if you do a six man with the OC Taker Kane and Alistair Black? Oh, stop it! <laughs> um, does the idea? I guess maybe you know I'm drinking. You know, I guess you know shame on once. You, you know, I, I've been I've been wrong multiple times this week apparently, but uh, not just in wrestling. But does the idea of AJ Styles? potentially beating the undertaker not intrigue either of you because that is actually one of the few things that wwe has that means something beating the undertaker specifically at wrestlemania i don't know i think it's kind of lost its luster i it doesn't really mean much to me wow no i can't say i'm excited about that possibility yeah i'm kind of in the same boat and if they were going to do that i'd prefer to be with someone younger than AJ. Wow. <laughs> Is this this might be the crap on WWE show. Wow. <laughs> and we haven't even got to Elimination Chamber yet. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't know, man. I mean, look, I mean, it's not going to be... I'm going to be very blunt. When are you I, not? <laughs> very, yes. As opposed to my more measured takes. Yes. It's <laughs> one of my more piercing ones. Um... I prefer this role for AJ as opposed to the, you know, now annual AJ Styles work rate disappointment at WrestleMania. <laughs> I do. I, I would rather I would rather see him work the Undertaker than a match that everyone thinks is going to be good and is like two and a half stars instead. Hmm. Um, I'll tell you one thing. You know who should beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania? Ricochet. Oh well, yes. There we go. <laughs> Vince McMahon down on a guy like Ricochet. That says it all right there. You know, 
Are we going to go down this path? <laughs> Maybe we should make this its own show on second thought. Okay. <laughs> I, again, it's all about what have you been denied? And I think maybe compared to you two, I just did not ever see Ricochet as someone who realistically would be on top of a brand in WWE Raw or SmackDown, meaning that I just didn't. Because to be on top to be special, but I mean, no, you're now, now. Has he been booked well? No. Okay, I just I just want to be clear about that. Like I like I don't think you can have Ricochet necessarily you know carrying one of the brands as as the champion i i just don't think that's realistic because he's not good on promos specifically in the kind of you know bad dopey manner wwe has you cut promos especially you know the 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 way you know just the 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 reading the pre-written promos he's actually kind of quite bad at and well, that's a problem like, with that in and of itself. Like you're, you're absolutely promos, right. I mean, yeah. it's not it's the, the WWE formula for promo cutting is, is is flawed, and it's been flawed for a long time. There's no disputing that. But I think that is something that really hurts him in the eyes of the key decision makers. You know, meaning basically Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. he should be losing to Riddick Moss. No, and I actually like Riddick Moss for the record. Loved him and Tino in NXT. At that NXT show in New Orleans, I was telling my whole section, this is going to be a great tag team. These Brits, they weren't having any of it. <laughs> I told them we won the Sit down. <laughs> Love it. Um, all right. Let's do our let's do our uh, elimination chamber picks I actually quickly. Wish, I, actually wish the, I actually wish the Brits would have won in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get us thrown off the air. Blue Wire is gonna be like enough of these guys. <laughs> to be clear, are you talking about the Revolution or the rematch in 1812? Shout out either. to Liam O'Rourke over there in the UK. Yeah, by the way. Either, either, yeah, <laughs> either. either. I mean, they did burn down man. the White House, so I mean, yeah, you did have that. Beastie, yeah, never mind. Let's let's just let's just stop now. <laughs> okay, elimination chamber. I'm not expecting us to have any like deep conversations on these matches but i did want to get our picks on the record ahead of time so i think we'll just do a quick around the horn on our picks can i just say one thing about this card because i i just looked at the card real quick because i was like what is the headliner on this show i i legitimately couldn't remember uh, you know about an hour before podcast time i looked at the card and god bless everybody on this show but to call anything on this show a main event is an insult to any match that has ever drawn a dime for this industry. <laughs> I mean, did, did WWE just, I, I get that it's Elimination Chamber. Hey, Kyle, there's two Elimination Chamber matches. There's no main event on this show. They literally have a pay-per-view that has nothing viable as a main event. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll start off with what will probably be uh, the first match, I would think. Um Probably on the pre-show, although it's only six matches, so maybe not. The uh, U.S. Championship match, Andrade against Humberto Carrillo. Uh, I'm going to go with Andrade. Kyle? Uh, you know, the problem with this stuff is I don't think it matters it either matter, way. So, uh, but I want to get it on the record. So <laughs> I'll go with Humberto Carrillo. Oh, they the allegedly change. Yeah, they, they allegedly, you know, uh, 
you know, wanted to do that, put the title on him before. And so we'll say they do it now. Okay. I don't see why they wouldn't have just stripped Andrade the title if they wanted Humberto to have it with his, uh, his suspension. So I'm going to go Andrade. A strong counterpoint. Here we go. That's why we employ him. That's why he makes the big bucks, folks. Uh, Alistair Black, AJ Styles, no disqualification match. So the question is, do we get a surprise appearance from The Undertaker here? I think that is like the more intriguing question versus the winner. I'm not sure the winner really matters. Uh, so let me just say, ask that first. Do you guys think we're going to get The Undertaker to come out here? What do you think, Justin? Um, yes. Okay. Ross? No. Because if he does, and he keeps costing AJ... Well, I'll say this. If The Undertaker keeps costing AJ Styles matches leading up to WrestleMania... Does he become a heel? No! Then AJ <laughs> has to win the fucking match at yeah. WrestleMania. Other than that, I mean, I mean, what a hit. I mean, well, then again, I do remember the Undertaker Ric Flair storyline of WrestleMania 18, where the Undertaker beat up Rick's entire family and friends and then just beat him in the match at WrestleMania anyway. That was, oh, what a time to be alive that was. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with AJ here. Uh, I think no Undertaker. I think they save it. Yeah, I'll concur. Okay. I'll follow suit. Okay, tag team match, Raw tag titles. Uh, the Street Profits, fresh off of their victory, taking on Rollins and Murphy. Got to go with the Street Profits. Justin? Uh, same, yeah. I don't know why they take it off from right away. Yeah. Uh, that was a good uh, a good match on Raw, uh, and I agree with you. Well, you know what's funny? We talked about... They might have just done it for a one-night-feel-good one moment. Um Seth is probably going to be married to Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, right? That's kind of the chatter. Mm. So I don't think there's any purpose for him to have the tag titles. So yeah, Street Profits. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Three-on-one handicap match, WWE Intercontinental (laughs) title. Braun Strowman. By the way, when I was in Chicago, bartender uh, over at Microphone Brewing, Dead ringer for Braun Strowman. Smaller, but looked just like him. My buddy's like, is that Braun Strowman's brother? <laughs> I turn around like, holy hell, he does look just like him. I should have sent you guys a picture, although I did put a Top Rope Nation sticker up on the wall at Microphone Brewing. But, oh. uh, yeah. Does Braun Strowman retain in a three-on-one match, or do we have Nakamura, Cesaro, or Sami Zayn? I mean, here we go, Justin. Sami Zayn. Does he get a chance to hold gold here? Oh, man. This match just depresses me. I love Cesaro and Sammy so much. and ugh. Um, I don't know. I just... My, I just want to go back to my default answer to who cares. <laughs> um, but for the necessity of having it on the record... Um, Shit, I'll take uh, uh, Sami Zayn. All right. Kyle. Oh my God. Uh, Braun Strowman. Has it been explained kind of like what the deal, like is it the heel that gets the pin would then become the champion? Has that been adequately explained? I assume so, but uh, has okay, not well, really been. Not, well, it will, will there not be uh, dissension among the proverbial ranks then? You would think. Like, what, 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 like what's the storytelling there? Are we just really going to just... 
not really tell that story at all. I I think there's actually zero chance that Braun Strowman loses this. Yeah, I'm going with Braun too. Although I I would love to see Sami Zayn hoist some gold, but I got to go with Braun Strowman. Yeah, they were a manager. Talk, I mean, talk about a guy whose career has been derailed by injuries, though. If you go back and you look at when he came out on that Raw, I think it was in, it was in Montreal to face Cena. And then he like threw his arm out of the socket yeah. during his entrance or whatever. Massive reaction like this. It's really too bad. I'm a big fan of the guy too, and he's he's had his career derailed. And I don't think we're ever gonna see him like week to week wrestling again. Uh, it's gonna be more rare moving forward. And honestly, he's great in the managerial role. Role, but uh, yeah, I gotta go with Braun Strowman. He's a much better heel than I would have imagined. Same. So we got two Elimination Chamber matches. Uh, I assume this women's match is going to be the main event of the show, to Kyle's point a little bit ago. This is the only one I can see main eventing. Uh, so, And it's got to be an Elimination Chamber match, that main event. So I assume yes. that uh, the tag title one that we're about to talk about will open the pay-per-view show with uh, Miz and Morrison, also new champions, defending against the New Day, Usos, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, and Ziggler and Robert Roode. You know, they just changed the title. So it's like, it's hard to see them losing with the Miz and Morrison, right? Like, they, these titles just changed hands. Like, what, last week? Both of them. How yeah. if they did the same thing for both? They they, they did title changes, uh, you know, leading up to these matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both ones. The uh, dog chasing its tail, so to speak. Is this the old? Oh, never mind. I just answered my question because I was looking it up. I was going to ask if this was only the second tag team elimination chamber match in history. I, I knew that they had brought it back um, or, or when they brought the elimination chamber back in 2015. Remember they did that network special. Mm-hmm. I think Cena wrestled Kevin Owens right when Owens debuted on the main roster. Uh, the new day was in that. I remember, but when they did the raw, the women's tag titles, Mm-hmm. That was an elimination chamber as well, but those are the only two tag team elimination chamber matches there have ever been. That that first men's one in 2015 was not good. That was a house show that they converted to the elimination chamber, like kind of on yes. short notice, if I remember it. Yeah. Uh, so who are you taking here? I I don't think you take the title off Miz and Morrison after you just put it on him, right? Agreed. I mean, again, again, you could, but I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Concur, Justin. Heavy machinery. <laughs> Love Otis. Can't wait till, to can't Otis, wait, man. Can't wait till they they got to do something with Otis and Mandy at WrestleMania. That's your main event. <laughs> How about a Playboy pillow fight between them? Oh Jesus! <laughs> All right, main Was event. Mania twenty. Uh, Tori Wilson was involved in that. Bless her soul. Uh, the other Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Raw Women's Title. She is show. still living, by the way. I know that, folks. Yes. <laughs> yes. This one is a no-brainer, obviously, but in the match is Natalia, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. Shayna Baszler, zero chance anybody else wins. Your thoughts, Mr. Joint? Um, Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Last-minute sub. Change of plans. I did see she was at WWE headquarters uh, like today or yesterday. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Kyle? <laughs> Okay, 
why is this taking place? I have no idea. It is so odd. Like, you don't, like, you don't need, you, you've already got the Becky Shayna stuff working. Yeah. Like, it, it's a clear feud. She bit her you neck off, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. So, like, that's, like, kind of how you used to do feuds. Back in the days, like, you know, like, there'd be, like, something happened and the champion wants, like, the match is already set. Um, Shayna Baszler, it's very obvious with the benefit of hindsight, should have come up to Raw before the Royal Rumble and won the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just no doubt about it in my mind. If that's the direction you wanted to go to make her feel special. Um, I believe I ranted about that at the time. Yes. Only in WWE could you book a match where the heel so obviously needs to win to look strong and should just dominate and roll through everybody. Yep. Like in a main event scenario. Like this match, and I don't want to hear any dirty diapers. I don't want to hear about people, ooh, give such and such a chance. Okay, sorry. Natty, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan all should tap to Shayna Baszler, like, immediately. This should be, and it should build the shit. And then Shayna and Asuka can be, uh, your final segment, mm-hmm. but Shayna should start the match and just tap whoever she starts with right away. Next person comes out, taps her. Next person taps her. Next person taps her, and then Oscar can be last. And they can, you know, do something fun for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. This should actually be the short. If this isn't the shortest elimination chamber match in history, then they failed. Agree with every word, <laughs> dead on. So of course they'll probably have Shayna come in last. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and win with a roll up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's this Sunday, the final the final pay per view before Mania. As you can tell, our excitement level is not there. I'll be watching it. But, a uh, horrible pay per view. This is. Can you imagine, like, if this show wasn't on the network and you actually had to purchase it, the buy rate it would do? I mean, fuck Disney Plus. I don't think Disney minus would you know <laughs> want the rights to this dog. <laughs> I mean, this thing, I mean, I, I defy, I mean, there's a lot of sharp people sometimes, I'll read this, and they're like, yeah, you know, this criticism's getting a little out of hand, you know, I mean, there are people who thought that, you know, that Rusev wedding was the worst thing they'd ever seen, and that, stop it, I've seen, you know, there'll be something worse this year, but, like, this is just a dog card, mm. I mean, the Elimination Chamber, you know, like the Dayton game, man, it ain't what it used to be. <laughs> That's for sure. Kyle? Speaking of how things used to be, let's talk a little retro pro wrestling. Wow, what a transition. There we go. It is time for the Kyle Ross I Love the Sport Deep Dive of the Week. Take it away, Kyle. Okay, well, I wanted to get you guys input here because obviously, you know, the ratings are in. I guess Meltzer went the, went the now full six stars on the tag match from Revolution. Uh, oh God, Asian. I saw a six-star yeah. match in person. Yes. Um, I don't go six stars, for the record. Um, I, I feel very comfortable four and three quarters. If you think I'm being mean to a match, I think you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, let's talk about, though, the great... He said it was... Did he say it was the greatest tag team match in the history of pro wrestling or the greatest tag team match in the history of North America? North America. Yeah. Well, it has to be a are you sure? Well, he's never given a tag match six stars before. Well, he might have. So he may, he may have expanded on that since. But the when they did their review show, like right that okay. night, he said North America. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I know the match that I'm going to bring up in this week's deep dive, which I think is the greatest tag team match ever to take place, was given five. Um, what do we think about that 
common for Melton. Do we think, and I think it's just so early to call. I mean, if it winds up being if five years from now, we're all talking about that as the greatest tag team match ever, then God bless Meltzer. He's got a great eye. Um, I thought it was great. I don't think it was the greatest ever. In terms of great tag team matches of all time, when you know Meltzer says that, what did you guys immediately put it up against? Like, what tag matches came to your mind for the greatest tag matches of all time? You want to go first, Justin, or you want me to go? Uh, I mean, like, for me, it's hard for me to uh, separate my fandom. You know, like, <laughs> okay. Wait, what just happened? <laughs> I'm again, Kyle. <laughs> yep, again, hit something. I apologize. <laughs> you were like, it sounded like you were 50 miles away. That was crazy. Okay. So, like, I, as a, as a fan, I don't think I enjoyed. I I'm not saying this is the best, but as a fan, I don't think I enjoyed any title win more than Heart uh, Foundation over Demolition at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Um, the first ladder match at X seven blew me away. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like I'd ever seen anything like that. Um, you mean SummerSlam or did you mean X seven? Yeah. SummerSlam was the TLC, right? Yeah. 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 The the first one with all three of them. Um, I'm, I I don't know if I could pick a single one. Oh, you're thinking you're it's 16. You're thinking of WrestleMania. Is it 16? Yeah. Okay. And then TLC was at SummerSlam that year. Gotcha. Yep, yep, yep. You're right. Um, the Clash of Champions, where Ricky Steamboat debuted as uh, Dustin Rhodes. Oh, team. yes. I mean, I'm just really partial to early 90s WCW tag team wrestling and, you know, NXT tag team wrestling from the past five years. Um, so th- those, are, those are the kind of match. Matches that pop into my head when I think the best ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, if you're into early '90s tag team wrestling, you guys need to check out in the archives episode 105 from last summer. Uh, it was like Fourth of July. We did wrestling's greatest, uh, wrestling's Mount Rushmore of tag team specialist. That's probably in like my top ten favorite shows we've ever done of our 130 plus all the Patreon shows. So check that out, because we did talk about uh, quite a bit of early WCW tag team wrestling, or early 90s, I should say, WCW tag team wrestling. Um, for me, yeah, I, I went to those. It's it's interesting, because you look at Edge and Christian and the Dudleys and the Hardys, and those are all like triple threat. So I was trying to think of more of the yeah, standard those were, team Yeah, matches. those weren't stat, standard tag team matches. That was, yeah. I mean, the one that pops up that was recently was that NXT TakeOver Toronto match with DIY and the Revival, mm-hmm. you know, the two out yeah. of three. That that was a great, great match. Yes. And that was on par with this one, I think. Um, I agree. So I, I think it's pretty, cl- at least in recent years, like that one and this one are really close to me. Uh, <laughs> I was at the show, so I'm like more likely to choose the one from Revolution. It had more high spots, but... Both are great matches. Um, I agree with Justin's take on pretty much all of those matches from the early 90s. Um, is it the best match in North American history? It's up there. I I don't know that I can make that case like less than a week after the match, though. Like Kyle said, I think you got to 
give this match a little time to breathe and look back on it to make what's that its kind historical of significance? You right. know, I mean, what if they top them themselves? Right. Again, you know, Which I mean, I think it's, I think it, yeah, I mean, I think it's unfair. I mean, yeah, because the storyline's not done. And, you know, it's, it is good storytelling. I think if, if I'm looking at it, it's like, to me, it is the best tag team match of the last, I think I can safely say, uh, 15 years you get into the early 2000s with those tlc matches yes they're triple threat they are tag team technically and those were just mind-blowing at the time they hold so much historical significance but yeah when you think of the classic four-man two-on-two tag team matches i know the one kyle's going to talk about to me that's that's the one that you could say is better maybe but Man, I don't know. It, it's it's a tough call, but I I can certainly see why people say that this is the best North American tag match of all time. So, some matches that haven't been mentioned so far. I, I think in the the Southern formula, uh, I would go Midnight Express Southern Boys, Great American Bash '90. Uh, that was you know Jim Cornette afterwards. So I know that some patrons of this program do uh, not care for at all. Uh, but Jimmy Cornette called that the best Midnight's match uh, of all time after it happened. Uh, so again, you know, going, you know how how ironic that he would use such language considering how he is on the outs with Dave Meltzer right now. Uh, but so that's certainly something to go out and and check out if you haven't seen it before. I was thinking, what is the best WWF tag match slash E tag match of all time? Uh, this afternoon, the two that came to mind for me in terms of, in, uh, I'm not including the TLC. I'm including matches where you at least had to tag initially. You're going to go Raw 2001? Yes, I, I was. That was one of the it. two. Yes, yep. yes. Uh, Austin and Triple H against Jericho and Redacted. Yep. And then the other one would be a year later, uh, Redacted and Angle against Edge and Mysterio from No Mercy. Those, I think, are the best you know, and then then we get an NXT. I think I think Revival DIY also has a case um, as the best tag match under the WWE umbrella as well. But my pick, as of you know, we're about an hour away from March sixth. I don't think uh, anything's going to change, so I can say as of March sixth, two thousand twenty, my favorite tag match of all time, and this is the deep dive of the week is uh, Mitsuharu Masawa and Kenta Kobashi against Toshiaka Kawada and Akira Tawe, June 9th, 1995, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, if people have not seen this, they should probably just... We've only got a couple minutes left of the show. We'll wrap it up quick. Fire it up now. It's available on YouTube.com. Um, these guys had a lot of great tag matches leading up to this. The Real World Tag League Final in 93, um, May 94. But this is the one where they hit it completely out of the park. Um, on it, you know, Ironically enough, Kobashi wasn't a part of it. But when uh, Junakiyama was Masao's partner against Kawada and Tawi, uh, the year after this, that would probably be the second best tag match I've ever seen. But, uh, yeah, my pick for the best tag match of all time is this week's deep dive, Masawa Kobashi versus Kawada and Tawe, uh, 6995. Very accessible on the YouTube.com website. Mm-hmm. Great match, great pick. I know yeah. when I got into tape trading, 
late 90s, this was the match that was like always up there for people that were trading. Even even then, people talked about it all the time. And, yeah, no, and, you know, it was funny. Justin, I was at a spring training game on Sunday, and uh, Justin's like, what's your, you know, what's your pick for the best tag match of all time right now? You know, he's like, I'll give you some time to think about it. I'm like, oh, it's funny. I've already been thinking about this. And uh, you know, I told him, and I loved your running commentary on this match, Justin. It really, <laughs> it, it really, really entertained me during a spring training baseball game. Yeah, I got to say, this match made my Sunday. Um, it, it holds up, and the fascinating thing for me watching it recently for the first time is, you know, like today's wrestling, a lot of times it'll get criticisms for breaking down to just basically a tornado match where all four guys are just in the ring all the time. Um, it's just a lot of super kicks. And th- this match broke the last, basically the entire last half of it is a tornado match. And almost the entire damn match is just, chops and it's fantastic (laughs) Uh, the 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 the, uh what was i gonna say the two best comments you had first of all you calling attention to my favorite spot of the match which is kawada just running across the ring and just booting the shit out of kabashi off the apron when kabashi's selling the knee that was tremendous that and as i look here i'd like to compliment the selling on this match but i think they're actually beating the shit out of each other <laughs> yeah i mean oh, that's great for those not familiar with the all japan style of this time period first of all uh, in retrospect it is kind of sad because everyone in this match is either dead or crippled um so that is uh, certainly sobering but you know when i kind of compare it to you know the new japan product of today and I don't know, maybe I'm getting old and, you know, I, I know when it comes to, you know, like music and stuff, I, I just, you know, sometimes I, I just, it's hard for me to get emotionally invested in like new music and, you know, a lot of just new entertainment in general, I guess, compared to the days of my youth. So maybe I'm just getting old. But for me, when I compare 90s All Japan to the modern New Japan product, one factor I always think about is when I first saw all Japan. And again, you know, you know, I sometimes we poke fun at Meltzer. Guess where I heard about this stuff from, folks? Meltzer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the Observer. Wouldn't have known about it w- without him. But when I first saw All Japan, my jaw was like on the ground. I remember. I was like, I, like it was just like it was so different from anything I'd ever seen. Whereas now, when I watch the modern New Japan, I, I don't feel like it. You know, the work rate is generally superior in New Japan, but I don't feel it is so above and beyond everything else I see in wrestling today the way all Japan was in the 90s. Yeah, you know, like, that I mean, mid-90s it, all Japan is yeah, yeah. I mean, when you talk, you, you talk about this, you know, like just talks about the stuff, like, you know, yet because this for me, I mean, this is a very, I mean influential style on today it's very obvious like if you watch this stuff and you've never seen it before it is very obvious the influence that this time period of all japan pro wrestling had on the modern uh has on the modern product of wrestling there's just no denying it but you know the whole concept of like guys just you know building and building 
you know, with the spots, which now is is kind of a trope and can be criticized, I think, fairly. Back then, and for the record, it did reach a, a breaking point in all Japan around '97. I, I think that they just got too crazy with the head dropping and the kicking out of finishers. So that's not a new criticism necessarily, but this was the peak. Um, I thought of the all Japan in ring product, this match, I, I thought it was the best match of the 19. I think in like, you know, when death Valley driver was doing its poll, I, I think this was the match I thought was the best match of the entire 1990s. If you would have asked 19 year old Kyle. Um, I don't know. I'm going to leave this up to you because maybe we don't want to spoil the match for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had told me something that I found very interesting, uh, about Kawada with this match and why it was so important. Yes. And, and that is so like, yeah, there's a, stu- that, that, that was actually the reason I thought it was because there had been something being chasing and, um, you know, people, if they want to, well, we won't spoil it. If you want to seek this match out and watch it. And then the significance of the fall, um, is, is huge. And you can look that up. People can. There's a lot of people who go into great detail, talk about all Japan at this period. But yes, the 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 the, the fall of this match, um, the finish, I should say, is um, is obviously extraordinarily significant um, to the story that they were telling, and I, I think the reason why so many people had it so high mm-hmm. in decade at polls. Yeah. Great pick, guys. Let let us know what you think if you watch the match or if you've seen the match and you have some thoughts on it. We can certainly talk about it again next week in the deep dive segment. Hit us up on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. You can email the show topropenation at gmail.com or you can tweet any of us directly. Uh, Justin Joint at Justin J-O-Y-N-T at T-R-P Kyle and I'm at Ryan Drosty, D-R-O-S-T-E. Um, real quick along around the horn here, guys, uh, not any deep discussion or anything because we've got to wrap up the show, but we did get a listener question about the deep dive segment in particular. Uh, and this is a longtime listener of the show, Chris Croninger. He writes in, he talks about how three of his favorite matches of all time, deep dive-wise, are the RVD-Cena match from One Night Stand, uh, Punk-Cena at Money in the Bank, and Pac-Orange Cassidy from Revolution, as far as crowd interaction goes. And he asked, what are some other great matches to look up that have really good crowd crowd interaction? And I didn't run this Ooh. by you guys ahead of time or anything like that. Uh, so just what comes to mind for great crowd interaction? For me, it's Canadian Stampede. We've talked about that yes. ad nauseum on the show. Canadian Stampede 97, the hearts against the USA team from July of 97. Do you guys have uh, matches that stand out for you for great crowd interaction? Uh, that would certainly be in, in terms of like the crowd absolutely making the match. Mm-hmm. Um, that is on the short list. And Cena Punk is too. Yep. Um, as well, I should Hogan say Hogan Rock, obviously. Uh, yes. Um, uh, it's a very specific kind of crowd interaction, and uh, I don't know how well it's aged. Um, but. It, uh, Nakamura versus Sami Zayn from Takeover. Yeah, that that crowd did will that to all time status. Yeah, um, I'll go real old school. Uh, Dave Meltzer, I believe, who was living in Dallas at the time, another uh, fact, I believe he called this the most insane live experience he'd ever been a part of. Uh, I mean, he said it um, a couple of years ago when he he was doing like the retrospective on World Class. 
uh, in the observer, the Kerry Von Eric Michael Hayes loser leaves town cage match. Um, the year after, uh, which was like revenge for the for the Freebirds turning on the Von Erichs and costing Kerry the title the year prior, is insane. The way like world class crowds in that era were just so, so unlike any really any crowd in history in just the way they loved the baby faces and hated the heels just with every move. That is an insane crowd match for, you know, the eighties. I mean, you know, eighties WWF crowds were obviously the tamest of that era, generally speaking, but you know, even by territorial standards that world-class crowds were insane. And that match in particular uh, jumps into my mind of ones that we haven't mentioned nice very nice well chris check those out if you haven't seen them it's hard to find it on the network you have to um there's a recap show in 84 it's like may of 84 because it was around the time that carrie winds up winning the title the david von eric parade of champions they actually break down the von eric's freebirds feud and they show that match in full because otherwise it's really hard to find in full, even like in the tape trading communities, it was quite difficult to find. So, um, I can't read. It's May 80. You have to go to a May 84 and it's a review show. If you find the review show in the network, you're in the right place. Cool. Well, Hey Chris, thanks for the question. If you guys are listening and you got a question you want us to talk about on the show, like I said, any of the Twitter, Twitter addresses, the email address, get a hold of us. We'll discuss it on the show. So uh, we did run a little long tonight. It's one of our longer shows, but I knew it was going to be because we had Uh-oh. to talk about the uh, Revolution Live experience, and we had a ton of topics on the docket tonight. So I thought it was enjoyable. No matter how long my week is going, guys, it's always fun. Thursday night, sit down, talk pro wrestling with you fellas. So I appreciate it. It really is. Can you guys the queen? <laughs> What's that? God save the queen. Yeah. So, and I appreciate all the listeners too. So what I said at the beginning of this show, that goes out. If you enjoy this show, recommend us to one or two wrestling fans in your life this week. Would love to see those downloads double or even triple this week. I'm looking at the map right now of uh, where the show has downloaded the most over the last week. And uh, looking at it, if you're up there in Washington State, California, Texas, Wisconsin, the great state of Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts, some of our most downloaded states. If I said your state, if I didn't, it doesn't matter. Let somebody know. Let's expand the map. Let's get this show going in all 50 states. And uh, we will be back with you next week. It'll be episode 131. We'll be talking fallout from uh, Elimination Chamber. Maybe the show will be better than we think heading in. We shall see. So with that said, here for Justin and Kyle, I am Ryan. We'll check you guys out next week. Have a great weekend.